podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Love lessons in 1980s rom-coms. feels unpracticed but that's probably good and that's probably a good thing probably tricking myself all right hey you don't no one cares about any of this ray doesn't care about it that's why he hasn't made a comment hey welcome back to another episode of 1980s now a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and also its influence today my name is will and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts ray and cat Hi guys. What's going on? Hey, not much is going on. We had a, well, we had a visit from Kat. Uh, should we even talk about that? Hmm. Well, hey, you can if you want. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, go ahead. It was, I mean, well, that's it. And so in, in 1980s <laughs> news, it was bizarre, right? Look, I, I look, I last bizarre. physically saw Kat in person. I don't know, 1993? I'm guessing it had to be. Uh, yeah, 1993. Right? Spring 1993. I mean, I've yeah. seen other f- college yeah. friends in person. You have since then, of course. Mm-hmm. But not mm-hmm. you. And so you've been this disembodied mm-hmm. head to me mm-hmm. and Ray, who's never met you for right. six or seven months now. Mm-hmm. It is bizarre to be in person with someone like that, right? Isn't it? It is. I think Ray is still a disembodied head, even after I met yeah. him. I, th- I thought maybe I would get like an old TV screen yeah. just so I could hold it up while I was talking to her. That would awesome. It was awesome, though. It was awesome. You know, it's it, it, makes, yeah. it changes this. This is different now. It's kind of weird. Kind of, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. I remember when I was in high school, maybe I mentioned this, I met a, I met a girl online in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, on a maybe on a bulletin board system, and then we finally met, and it was like I had never heard her voice. I don't think mm-hmm. I had never seen her, mm-hmm. so it went from this just text to a whole person. Mm-hmm. It was very bizarre. And then when I went mm-hmm. back home, she was back to text. So she wasn't the person I met. That was somebody else. You know, she's back to text. So it is kind of like there's two cats. I see <laughs> yes. Ray in person still. You know, for- yeah. He's he's only ever been one Ray. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even I, though you get, you look the same cat, it is like a different cat almost. I don't know. I mean, you're much smaller. I don't know. Smaller. Being in person is different. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys know this, but I'll tell everybody else. On today's show, we're going to be joined by the hosts of And the Beat Goes On, Dating After mm-hmm. Divorce, that podcast, the host Jackie and Dion. Uh, we love their show. Their show is fantastic. The name of it doesn't give uh, enough sort of, you know, cover enough because it sounds like it's going to be about divorced and appeal to divorced people. It's just about relationships and they share mm-hmm. stories about their relationships. They have on guests, they do research, they're funny, they're smart. Uh, sometimes it's heartwarming what they talk about and share because mm-hmm. these guys, are just, they're just real. They're as real as Ray has been in the last five minutes. I think he's only said two words. <laughs> talking about it. I've said at least six words. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> and we're going to be talking with them about 1980s films that taught us about love and question, we're also going to then take a look at these films and question whether the lessons that we learned about love from these films, but they still hold up, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe we learned the wrong things. Maybe we learned the right things. Mm-hmm. Maybe like some of these films that like Gray and I have talked about in prior episodes, you know, uh, I don't know. They're, mm. Mm. what's the? Risque. Risque. There you go. 
right. I'd like to say I love how open yep. they are on mm-hmm. their podcast. And so I look forward to experiencing that in person. Right. Yeah. In, sort of in person. Not exactly, but yes. here. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, so I'll be on their show soon too. We'll let you guys know when that's going to happen. Mm. But yeah. And I aspire to be as open as honest, and honest as Jackie and Dion. Awesome. All right. So ask me anything. All right, do it right now? No, 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 not now. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. He doesn't want to be open and honest right now. No. Are you crazy? In yet, private. I want to be open and honest in private. <laughs> All right. Hey, I want to make an announcement. This Thursday, February 24th, and that might be tomorrow. <laughs> it might be today. You might have missed it already. But at 9 p.m. Eastern on February 24th, Please join us on our network sponsor's Facebook page, The 80s Reeled, for our first ever 1980s trivia. And everyone can play. Prizes will, a prize will be rewarded. It's a $50 Visa E gift card to the person who answers the, you know, the most questions correctly. And you know what I mm-hmm. wish I had thought, Ray, is I know you sent all those questions over. Do you have any at the ready that we could actually, maybe we should Ooh. give our listeners mm. one of the questions so they could contemplate it ahead of time. So if you've listened to this episode, you've got a leg up. You're going to get one question right. Because we're going to tell you right now what it is. A freebie. Uh, What planet is Gordon Shumway from? Oh, I love how you word that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So should we give them the choices or the answer or let them, they have time to research it? They've got the question. Okay. They can can look that one up. All right. So look at that. By listening to this episode, you already got a leg up on everybody else that's going to be on the 80s Ruled Facebook page, but hosted by us. uh, The first ever 1980s trivia. Be there. If, you got, if you're going to be on Facebook, you can compete by just putting the answer in the comments as we go along. You'll see. Mm-hmm. Be on time, by the way, because once the questions start, every time a question goes by, you're going to miss an opportunity to get another point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, once again, it's time for us to... In Philadelphia. Once again, it's time for... Remember I told you we are going to get it straight the first time? Mm-hmm. Thank you for your cooperation. There you go. Hey, mm-hmm. we, so in response, look, we're not going to rehash it, right? But mm-hmm. we nope. got a one-star review on Apple. There's a lot of platforms out there where we get great reviews. We have mostly five-star reviews on Apple, even, but we got a bad one. So we said, hey, to our listeners, can you give us some love to just mathematically negate this thing? And we got a lot of reviews. And here's two of them that I wanted to call out. One from Terrence Dugan. Why can't this be love? Five stars straight from Ooh. the heart. This podcast's got what it takes. Big ups. I love the way this is written. Big ups, as the man once said, to host Will and his totally rad hype person cat, <laughs> who's got Count Floyd level skills. Oh my gosh. On the horror movie tip. So you're getting credibility for the thing you got criticized for. And as for their general 80s aptitude, these two aren't just switching the stickers on the Rubik's Cube to fake it. They're twisting that sucker for real. Extra bonus points for the Eddie Van Halen episode. That's one that Ray and I did together. Mm-hmm. Formally requesting a deep dive on Scritti Politi. The world needs a little knowledge on that subject. I only know them by name. Wow. And I kind of forgot that name. Ooh. Uh, Ray, could you do do an episode on Scritti Politi? I don't, without looking something up, I don't know. No. But yes, at the same time, I could. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And if you want to catch other tall tales, you can listen to Ray on Deluxe Edition. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just uh, went over there with Casey and Bill and had a great time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, Kat yeah, and we I heard some stories that, that we were like, are you kidding me? That's not how that happened. <laughs> but we know Ray too well. And, Two at least. <laughs> and, this, and it was much better the way he told it. Uh-huh. Much uh, more entertaining. <laughs> another rule I want to review, I want to call out uh, from, hmm, I don't know if you guys know how to pronounce this, 
gyrovagus, gyrovagus. Mm, oh, mm, this mm. sounds like a, a medical condition or a medicine you can get for a female <laughs> issue. Sounds like a stripper in the dirty part of town's name. Oh man. I was going to say, you know what it sounds like? A medicine if you're losing your equilibrium, you're losing you're getting off balance because of something mm-hmm. to do with your uh, female mm-hmm. genitalia. Get some gyrovagus. Talk to your uh, talk to your doctor today about gyrovagus. Vagus? Vagus. Gyrovagus. Did you say gyro or dyro? Gyro. Yeah, that's the that's oh, the balance okay. part. Let's see here. Next up on stage one. <laughs> gyro. Gyro vagus? Vagus. Yeah. I'm sure that's not how you say it, but that's what it looks like. I want to know what they said. Okay. Oh, yeah. They say cat, has, cat is the best. Five stars. Cat always has interesting uh-huh. things to add and has a great radio voice. Without her, it would be just two dudes talking. That's true. It used to be that way for two years. Okay. Will is smart and Ray is funny. Oh, thanks. Gyro Vagus. But there's no way I would yeah. ever listen to this show without Cat. Oh. Guess who's not going to be complimenting me here in her next review? <laughs> oh, <no. Gyro>. oh. <laughs> hey, let's get caught up on 1980s. All right, hey. Per variety in 1980s news this week, John Larroquette returns. 40 years after the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre to narrate Netflix's sequel. Now, quite honestly, now again, this is a movie that came out in the, in the 70s, the first one, 1974. Mm-hmm. But there was a sequel in the 80s that, you know, I think that's the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw and then went looking for the old one. But it was one of those ones that probably just came out. So it was in the video rental store. And we watched a lot of horror movies in the 80s. I've so never I, gone looking for it. <laughs> surprise. I didn't yep. know or realize that John Larroquette had narrated the first one. Did you remember that, right? Uh, I'd forgotten it until they mentioned it. Because hmm. it's like a, uh, it's kind of a trivia question. Hmm. So if somebody says it, then you're like, oh yeah, that's hmm. right. He did do it. So it wasn't that important to the movie? Well, it's, uh, it sets the whole stage of what's happening. Yep. Okay. Yep. You know, it's the, and I think it's. June something, 1973. Yep. Some kids got in a van and got all f***ed up by these killers. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It's a shortened version for you. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much. Uh, <laughs> it does sound, yeah, it adds, it, it sounds, I listened to it only because I was like, really? And it doesn't sound like the John Larroquette of Night Court that we ultimately mm-hmm. know him yeah. as. Right. It okay. does not. But it does, he does have this kind of gravitas to his voice and what he reads that gives it, make mm-hmm. it seem like it could be true or real. And, and, and Ray had told me that this is based uh, loosely, at least on the, on the, on the crimes of some murderer. That's uh, Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Okay. So they brought him back. Uh, and in fact, it turns out it was Larroquette's first film appearance before he gained fame in night court, the John Larroquette show, Boston legal, those other things. Hmm. Um, as a reminder, he's actually set to return to his role as Dan Fielding on the, a reboot of night court. Really? Uh, that's currently being developed by at NBC. But he wow. also lent his voice to the 2003 reboot, reboot. So it seems kind of cool that he appreciates where he came from, where he got his start. You know, most, mm-hmm. I don't know that most actors would, you know, be still connected to the very first thing that gave them, you know, a, a, a jump start or a head start. Well, him and uh, uh, Hooper were yeah. uh, friends. That's the reason he did it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. He did it as, it's technically, he did it as a favor. And as the story goes, he was he gave him a, a single joint to to oh. do the the narration. 
That was his payment. Wow. That was his payment for that. Huh. Okay. I guess I wonder if he was even interested in acting at that point. They probably said, you got a great voice. Why yeah. don't you do this? Hmm. Yeah. Well, you're talking, of course, about Toby Hooper, the director of this yes. film and the sequel, and uh, also one of our favorites, a poltergeist. Yes, he directed mm-hmm. it, okay. folks. He directed it. That's what it says. That's cool. De- director of the current film, David Blue Garcia, said it was critical to bring, to bring Lara Kett back, saying, quote, it felt important to honor the original at every opportunity. John's voice is iconic in the original opening, and we thought it would help set the perfect tone in our own intro, end quote. Does he um, sound the same now? Well, you know what he sounds. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's a, he's a lot older, so probably it, not. Uh, it still s- kind of sounds like the original, where it could be him. It could be anybody. Oh, did you have you watched the sequel? Oh yeah. Oh okay. So. Oh uh, yeah. Oh. Let me just say that director yeah. should read that statement again the next time he wants to <laughs> oh. make a shitty movie oh. that doesn't honor the original. Oh no. Oops. Okay, well, there you go, folks. I'm not going to give anything away, yeah. but all of a sudden, Leatherface is super smart. Oh, no. And supernatural. Oh. Well, out of nowhere. That would explain why he's still alive. And I mean, you know, he's, I guess we didn't know how old he was then, but let's well, say he's 20 years old in 1974. He was technically, still- Gunner was like 40 something, I think. Yeah, so. But you could technically say, okay, fine, I'll bite. He's 20. Because he's wearing a mask and you really can't tell. Yeah. So hmm. even by that standards, now he's 60 something years old. It, it just, there's a lot of holes in this thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, if you, yeah. if you want to see it, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But if you're a Texas Chainsaw fan, uh, the gore is amazing. Mm. The, the kill scenes are good. There's some dumb things about them, but the, the actual kills are pretty cool. Mm. Okay. And that's the first one you're talking about, or the no? That's the remake. You're talking the about remake. the Netflix okay. remake, right? Red yeah, remake. it just came. Yeah. It just came out. Yeah, it's a definitely a three out of ten stars for me. Oh wow! Oh boy! All right. Well, well, then this <laughs> won't help because they said you know in, in addition to uh, having uh, John Larroquette back, he's got some other nods to the original film, including one uh, iconic piece of hardware. They actually used one of the original working chainsaws from the first film. Hmm. All right. Hey, in other 1980s news, oh boy, here we go, guys. This is just, I don't know. We could call this- Are you okay? Well, I I am until I read about NFTs. I can't read about these without feeling like I'm, I don't know, like literally running into a a wall. This is a pretty cool one. Uh, Yeah. It's definitely interesting, but (laughs) this led me down a rabbit hole of reading about NFTs. Me too. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. And even today I was reading more about, oh God. So here's the news. Per <laughs> Forbes, Duran Duran's new digital art supports micro... Is it how many words are in this that you just don't... You have to look up. Duran Duran... Imagine someone just learning English and they didn't know anything about 1980s pop culture music. So even the first word, Duran, is going <laughs> to... I think they have a typo. Duran Duran's new digital art supports microforest initiative with NF trees. <laughs> NF trees. So Duran Duran are doing their part to help offset the carbon emissions associated with minting NFTs. Oh, I, I, right. I read that sentence and I was already like, what are you talking about? We keep getting told this is all digital. How does something digital have carbon emissions? Now, I, I guess I understand yeah. everything does in a sense. Everything has a footprint, but mm-hmm. why do they have to offset it? Did you guys know about this before this story? Had you heard about this idea? I did just recently. Actually, I had read something about um, how much energy is consumed or produced yeah. or whatever to 
make an NFT. It's like a small country, oh. <laughs> apparently, mm. or maybe a large country. I don't remember which, but yeah, it was like yeah. a year's mm. worth of this nonsense. The cryptocurrency necessary to back these NFTs uses about as much same electricity as the entire country of Libya. Oh yeah. That's not small, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Damn Libyans. <laughs> Well, I've been trying to understand this whole NFT thing. I, um, when, and, and then I learned about the environmental impact and that was kind of distressing. Yep. And then I saw something about Duran Duran making NFTs. So, yep. oh my gosh, that was crushing, yeah, right? Oh, 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 right? yeah, okay. <laughs> no, suddenly, no. I, I, I thought, oh no, they shouldn't do this. But then yep. I saw this article and uh, I felt a little more delighted and relieved that they were doing something to... Uh, to help counteract the effect on the environment. You felt better Just about one the more NFTs reason to that you had them. purchased from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <all those. laughs> I guess we've got to explain what we're worried about. I mean, this is just mind boggling. So I did find this other article from 2015 from The Verge attempting to explain it. I mean, uh -huh. look, if we did a whole show on NFTs, it would be interesting just because so much, we would, by the end of it, I still wouldn't have learned anything, but. I, I don't think I would either. I read, I the, technically though, I did, or, or, or literally, I don't know what the word is. I actually did read a lot about it. I just don't understand what I read. Mm -hmm. You going to say something, right? <laughs> no, I, I was actually daydreaming and trying to remember what that thing you were talking about was, uh, Scranton Pappy or whatever it was. <laughs> what? Whatever <laughs> what you were saying, could about? I do a whole, sh could I do a whole show on that? <laughs> NFTs? What? Not Scranton no, Pappy. What? The, no, the, the, whatever it was. Isn't that Popeye's about. father? <laughs> Scranton Pappy? <laughs> I can't remember what the what you're talking about. A, a different, and I started. I was yeah. I started thinking. We were just talking about it in the beginning of the show when the the person that was reviewed it brought it up. Said oh. we should do a show on it. Oh, and you said the name. Scritty Politti. Oh god. Scritty Politti. Oh my god. Scranton. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to hear Scritty Politti went to Scranton Pappy. Yeah. I want to hear the show about Scranton Scranton Pappy now. Oh my god. Please. <laughs> But this, so the Verge, this is what, like, look, we, NFTs again, non-fungible tokens. This is, according to the Verge, they say they're at least partially responsible for the millions of tons of planet heating carbon dioxide emissions generated by the cryptocurrencies used to buy and sell them. And here's why. This, and I'll explain it as best as I can. So cryptocurrency is supposedly secure mm -hmm. because uh, platforms like Ethereum and, and, and Bitcoin use these... Uh, force miners to mm -hmm. solve puzzles mm. that before they can uh, add another transaction to the ledger, the blockchain. Mm -hmm. So far already, I kind of understand that, but why you have people having to do, what if you can't do the puzzle, but you're, but you're still legit. I, I don't know. But are the idea is that- Are people doing the puzzles yeah. or the computers or are they having their computers do the puzzles? No, it's users. According to this, it says solving the puzzles lets users add a new block of verified transactions to this decentralized ledger. Wow. And the process of, you know, solving these puzzles is incredibly energy inefficient on purpose because they mm. figure if you're going to try to scam somebody, you're not going to waste the money and the resources necessary to, I guess, solve these puzzles and add fraudulent items to this ledger. So it would be less mm. profitable for you to do do so uh, and muck up the ledger by, you know, spending, I don't know, again. But anyway, but what? I mean, what is this? <laughs> you know, uh, the Indian government came out and said Bitcoin NFTs are a scam. I think the U.S. government came out recently, the banking committee said that they're a scam. Uh, mm. 
Why are we still yeah. talking about this? Anyway, all right. So here's the good news. <laughs> so because of this okay. problem, like Kat said, Duran Duran at least said, all right, that's what's going on. Maybe they didn't realize at first. So since to offset whatever their environmental impact was based on the hundreds of NFTs they sold last year, they now came up with this new thing, NF trees, which they're digital collectibles, which contain images of trees in the same style mm -hmm. as the original invisible NFTs, which is, you know, the song that they released last year. Mm -hmm. But each of these represents a geocached living tree, tree that's traceable on the blockchain. Now, look, <laughs> there's why, more. Why does it have to be traceable to on the blockchain? Just go and plant <laughs> the tree. Like, I don't know what, what that part of it is that someone, so, <laughs> Because, <laughs> because the the thing gives the tree a name mm. and you get to know the name of the tree so you uh. can keep in contact with it. <laughs> keep in touch with you. You know, tree. for the for the price of a cup of coffee a day. Oh, that's what I was just thinking. You can adopt the tree. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why it's not uh hey. <laughs> Send us a picture of you planting a tree in your yard. Yeah. And we'll send you a picture of a tree in the mail. Mm -hmm. hmm. That would simplify things. I see Simon yeah. LeBond down on his knees with a little trowel, you know, digging out a hole. <laughs> Me too. And, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then, you know, uh, John Taylor comes and drops some seeds in. And then... Uh, Plucks uh, out a, little, a few notes uh, while yeah. he's doing it. Yeah. Covers it up. <laughs> And then the other members pour some water and like a bucket kind of fire brigade style. And that would be Nick Rhodes, I guess. Right, Nick Rhodes does the water. He's very involved know. in this. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Whatever. Well, it's one more reason to love Duran Duran though. Cause they're crazy. <laughs> they're, they're being responsible. But, but if sort of, but if the trees are going to be part of the blockchain, aren't they going to have to do another puzzle and again, they're going to have to plant another tree or a small bush or something. Where does it end? The fern? <laughs> All right. Another 80s and uh, 1980s news. Per the Daily Mail, Boy George fought with the late Pete Burns. Mm -hmm. You don't remember Pete Burns was the, uh, the late lead singer for Dead or Alive. Um, mm -hmm. When speaking with the Daily Mail, Boy George confessed that he was once close to a blazing altercation, he says, with Pete Burns, adding that he was always intimidated by the late Dead or Alive frontman. I was too. This uh, this might be one of the silliest stories I've ever read. Yeah. Because <laughs> I went on YouTube and I found some videos about this from the 80s from oh, MTV talking no about kidding. it. Yeah. Oh. And this is the lamest feud I've ever heard of. What was it about? Basically, Byrne said, Boy George stole his uh, style his and look, his look yeah. mm. from oh. me. Oh. I wouldn't guess that, yeah. And then boy George said, that's not true. And then they were both at a party and Pete came up and was friends with him. End of story. And that's where it ends. That's their beef. Maybe so, Pete Burns realized that uh, what imitation is the highest form of flattery or something. I just that? think it was a comment he made that he really didn't give two craps about. And it was just something he mm -hmm. probably forgot about. And then he saw boy George was like, hey, there's that other guy who likes to dress like a girl. I'll go talk to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the way the story goes is George was scared. He didn't know he was coming to make peace and thought he was coming over, as he says, quote, to start. Mm. So George says, quote, uh, I got myself all puffed up for the moment because we were <laughs> really angry with each other. It was the 80s. Everyone was angry with everyone. It was just the thing. You had to have a nemesis in the 1980s. It was essential. But like oh, Ray my. said, much of his surprise, he actually was just coming over to uh, uh, make a warm gesture. Mm -hmm. I pictured him puffed up like a peacock or something. 
Because he's George. Yeah. <laughs> you would have that hat on and like that. Yep. Yep. Definitely a hat. <laughs> and it looked like a. I was gonna say. I guess. I, I guess a chameleon doesn't do that. Yeah. Oh, maybe that'd be great if he like like a karma <sighs> chameleon. He blended into the wall behind him. Yeah. His colors changed <laughs> to red, gold, and green. Because mm-hmm. he was scared. Yeah. <laughs> Spin Me Round is is a better song than all of Boy George's oh, songs. Oh, okay. Guess who owns that on a 45? You Spin Me Round. Yes, I have oh, that nice. One. Yeah. I like both those acts, but, um, and Culture Club had certainly more hits than uh, yeah. uh, Dead or Alive did. Dead or Alive had mm-hmm. more songs than You Spin Me Round, but most of them are just club mm-hmm. hits. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know what, Ray? I think I might agree with you as far as like a get up on your feet and dance and jump around and have fun. You spin me around, we'll get you to the dance floor where not necessarily some, you know, probably quicker than any of the other culture club songs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. Despite his friendly feud. Hmm, where does this go here? There it goes. Despite his friendly feud with Burns, uh, who declared himself bankrupt uh, following a, a lot of uh, cosmetic surgery, he had, you know, was transforming himself at the, towards uh, mm. the last several years. Um, Boy George vowed to pay for Burns' funeral when Burns passed away about six years ago. Wow. Um, but I thought it was also interesting as George goes on to talk about how contemporary pop music is dull, which is something we've maintained on this show. We don't, you know, we don't <laughs> care for, we raise on YouTube finding some new acts, but uh, other than that. Um, and he says, quote, my favorite type of music is sort of Missy Elliott, Bowie, that's pop music. Things that have a, got a bit of an edge to them. That's what we're looking for. We don't want pop stars to just kind of dial it in and give us what we expect, end quote. I agree. Right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be yeah. something to it. Yeah, sure. Some kind he, of hook. He could have picked two other bands to bring that statement home, but that's fine. Well, <laughs> hmm, let's think about it. Well, Bowie, I mean, can't argue with that, but Bowie's- No, you, no Bowie, Bowie's an amazing uh, songwriter, entertainer, but yeah. I don't get the Missy Elliott pop thing i don't really look mm. at her as like a pop star yeah well, i didn't either but um maybe he was just trying to pick someone and, and i'm not from the, the 80s yeah i'm not picking on her I, some of her songs i enjoy yeah and probably look some of her songs were i mean a lot of most of her songs i think are interesting and different than what was happening at the time that they came out but also i think you know she also continued that work as a producer of other artists and helped them also find you know oh. their interesting uh, voice too which we mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. uh none of us on this panel could uh, necessarily name any of those but i know that <laughs> i know they are there but bowie and mm-hmm. missy elliott in the same category is kind of weird too it is mm-hmm. weird i agree yeah I agree. all right Hey, that was 1980s news. Hey, uh, hey, if you like the show, please like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, do all those things on whatever platform you listen to us to help support the show. Because you, seriously, these little free moments, including just clicking five stars on Apple Podcasts, actually has an impact because then Apple recommends our show to more people. And whatever mm-hmm. platform you listen to, Spotify on Android, iHeartRadio, they all have them now pretty much more or less. Um, okay. So, you know, you guys look, we're all fans of the show. Uh, and I love of, of uh, Dion and Jackie's show. And we're going to talk to them in just a moment, but I don't know if you ever noticed this and maybe, maybe you caught on to this, but every cause they're eighties kids, just like us. Right. Yes. That, that's one of the things that drew them to me. In fact, the first thing that leapt out to me, which attracted me to their show as I was looking for a new podcast to listen to was the fact that every episode of theirs is named after a song from the 1980s. Yes. I think there might be a couple of exceptions. I haven't seen any. Anyway, I think that's super cool. But also, you know what that means. It means once again, it's time to play. Listen, smell something. 
Here's what we got here. I have got six songs for you. I've got six songs from you for the 1980s, and I've got six. So I'm going to give three and three here. I'm going to give you the first two lines of the song, and you tell me which song from the 1980s it is. And each of these songs is the name of an episode of And the Beat Goes On, our guests that we're going to bring out in just a moment. Okay? All right. So I'm going to start with you, Ray. I think Kat went first on the last thing that we did. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Here's your first two lines from the song. All you've got is this moment. I'm trying not to sing it. 21st centuries yesterday. Maybe if you need me to sing it, I will. That's, uh, <laughs> isn't that, uh, it's, it's a Prince song, isn't it? <gasps> no, sorry. It's not. Kat, do you got it? She's. It's in excess. That's right. <laughs> Which song is it, though? Oh, that's what I was trying to figure out in my head. Oh, then. <laughs> Need you tonight? Yes! <laughs> She's back. <laughs> All right, Kat, this one is for you. I was, like, singing it in my head. This is for me? Yeah, oh, this I one's for you one directly for here. Too. Yeah. <laughs> your first two lines. Oh, yeah. Teacher, stop that screaming. Teacher, don't you see? Don't want to be no uptown fool. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You're sure this is for me? It is for you. <laughs> well, that would have been teacher. too it had been too easy for me. <laughs> well, what did you say, True. Kat? Hot for teacher. That's right. Van Halen. <laughs> All right, Ray, this one's for you. Oh boy. I come home in the morning light. My mother says, When you gonna live your girls life? Girls just want to have right. fun. Oh, very good. Let me finish. Rude. My <laughs> <laughs> right, cat, this is for you. Again, okay. all these are episodes of uh, Jackie and Dion's show, and the beat goes on. That's awesome. She's got a smile. It seems to me, <laughs> reminds me of childhood memories. This is um, a sweet child of mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right! <laughs> She's doing Ray's serpentine dance. Oh, yeah. All right, Ray, this is for you here. You guys, look, you guys got a streak here now. Mm-hmm. Well, I tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen. That's nine to five. That's right! <laughs> All these are episodes wow. of In the Beat Goes On. Yeah. All right, Kat, here's one last one for you here. I have climbed highest mountains. It's you two. <laughs> it's the still haven't found what I'm looking for. That's right. Very <laughs> good. Yeah. So again, look, I'm excited to talk to these folks because not only are they talk about relationships, et cetera, they're 80s kids like us. So with yep. that, let's bring them out. We'll be back just right in a moment with the hosts of And the Beat Goes On, Dating After Divorce, Dating After Divorce, Jackie and Dion. Our guests today are the hosts of the podcast, and the beat goes on, dating after divorce. Relationships are hard, and maybe even harder when you're re-entering the dating pool at an older age. I know that because I had that challenge in my mid-30s. But the good news is you're not alone, because each week, these two smart, honest, wine-loving, and fun women share their adventures and occasional misadventures of dating after marriage, and much, much more. Please welcome to the show, Jackie and Dion. Hey, guys. Hello. Perfect. However you want to do it. (laughs) 
That was it. You're here now. They're like me. <laughs> welcome to the show. Oh, I think you were like doing it. Okay. okay. Hey, please welcome to the show, Dion and Jackie. Oh, no, we're here. Oh, yeah, they're here. Hey, as I mentioned earlier, you guys have been hosting uh, your podcast for some time now where you talk about, you know, and it, it, I think your name in a sense doesn't do your show justice because, you know, the subtitle is Dating After Divorce, but anybody that's in any kind of relationship can listen to it because it's, it's really much mm-hmm. broader than that. And there's so many episodes where the fact that you've both been married and divorced and some of you more than once. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I wasn't saying no, no judgment. I'm on my second marriage here. You know, I'm always like, yeah, I've been married. <laughs> yeah, but that's, it's it's, but right. stop there, but stop there. Then the judgment comes. But the it's fact that, seriously. you know, that's, you know, you're able to provide these little anecdotes that help us relate to the broader topic, but you can talk about a whole topic without right. necessarily making reference to that. Mm-hmm. Well, you that's know, true. And we did, we've, we decided, well, we've discovered that we started off with this kind of niche audience, right? Like that was, that was the, our demographic that we were speaking mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. But what we've realized in the last, what year and a half is that our listenership is growing so broad that um, really lots of people are listening that have neither been married nor divorced. And some people aren't even like our age group and Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of people listening. So I think our topics are getting more broad because of that. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jackie? I just described it to someone today as kind of what you just said, Dion. It started as a dating podcast because that was our experience at the time. Um, However, it, it has sort of morphed and I would call it more of a dating and relationship podcast now. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we, we just yes. love the fact that our listenership is so broad and um, encompasses not just heterosexual women in their forties who've been married and divorced, mm-hmm. but really all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. And we always make a point of saying, this is our perspective um, from this particular demographic, mm-hmm. but we do hope that we can reach all kinds of audiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Hey, hey, we love the show because you know, uh, Thank you. not only, the, not only are you guys funny, but it's often poignant, <laughs> you know, some of the stories mm-hmm. you tell, I mean, more or less the stories you tell you, there's a way for folks. I certainly might find myself connecting to, Oh yeah, I know what that's like from my particular <laughs> angle. Yeah. Um, and Thank you know, you. you often bring in some additional research, you know, like your favorite psychology today, which I think I'll be referring to myself later. <laughs> so you do your research and back it up. You're not just winging it. Like some of these other podcasts that drive me crazy, but they just sit down at a tape. All right. You know, I'm not going to pontificate about that. Use a okay. So because you're both, you're ladies. Hey, you ladies are ladies of the eighties. You know, your kids, eighties kids, just like the three. three we of are. Us. Uh, mm-hmm. And because of your particular niche, uh, I thought and expertise, I thought it would be fun to get you together to talk with us about how films from the 1980s, romantic films, or maybe other types of films even, uh, maybe taught us something about love in our youth as we were, you know, growing up in, in that uh, decade. And then also take a, the, take a step back and question whether or not the lesson that we think we learned, whether it holds up, you know, now that we're middle-aged folks, you know, having been through a few relationships <laughs> and, you know, uh, have maybe a more, a different perspective on, mm-hmm. on romance. Okay. All right. Hey, here's a film. I'm, I'm just going to toss. How about this? I'll toss out mm-hmm. some films to you and Ray and yeah, Kat yeah. and I will take some turns tossing out some films and we'll get some mm-hmm. conversation going here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start with 1987's Can't Buy Me Love. Uh, it's got love in the title. Uh, 
Uh, Patrick Dempsey's first go around, man. Uh, yeah, it started very, you know, youthful Patrick Dempsey, pre uh, McDreamy Patrick Dempsey. Pre McDreamy, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think you could condense to preemie. Preemie Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Amanda Peterson, <laughs> Courtney Gaines, uh, an unrecognizable Seth Green is even in it. Oh my really? gosh. He oh, plays the little brother. Huh. Uh, mm -hmm. his little brother. Oh my yeah. goodness. Um, and it was directed by Steve Rash and written by uh, my Michael Swerdlick. Um, for folks who don't know, is there anybody that doesn't know in brief, it's one of these stories where the nerdy guy, well, I'll say one of these, it's kind of unique in this regard, right? Or the nerdy guy, uh, pays the popular girl in high school to pretend to be his girlfriend for one month, uh, mm -hmm. for a thousand dollars, which he earned by mowing lawns all summer long. He was going to buy a telescope. Oh. <laughs> and after the month, she breaks up with him, you know, oh. in a very dramatic fashion in the school. And suddenly he's interesting to people. Uh, and you know, now he's having to, uh, you know, turn down uh, the girls in the school left and right. Of course, this culminates within a very dramatic moment where it's revealed that this was the arrangement and he's outed and then he loses favor with all these folks. He gets him back with the African anteater dance, but that's later. Right? Oh, that? wow. Yeah, I think that's, all right. I have such aided memories of that yeah. movie. It's been so long. I'm so glad you recapped it for me because. I kind of remember the general premise, but the dance would never have remembered. And thank God for that. I mean, can you, yeah. I mean, can you imagine that happening in today's movies? Oh my gosh. The level of un-PC. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure every movie we're about to talk about, the PC Something. levels are not good. I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, for better or for worse. Yeah. Is Porky's even on your list? Speaking of non-PC. Oh my. No, I'm oh just no. saying. If, <laughs> see, if I had made the list, yes, Porky's would be on this list, but Will made this list. So. The, the, the lesson in Porky's, the love lessons is, I could say this to these ladies, right? Don't stick your in a hole. I, I've never. The lesson is don't stick your in a hole if you got a big mole on it. Oh, is that uh, that's the lesson. All right, all right, never mind. No, I don't know what's happening. All right, never mind. Okay, but, I've never seen Porky. No, I don't even no, understand. Really I blame Jackie. I blame right Jackie. Now. She brought it up, right? Okay. <laughs> this could explain why I'm single because I think that Porky's is. Romance. Oh my God! No, no. Um, so back to Can't Buy Me Love. Let's just wrestle this thing back under control. Oh, great. So, so what yeah. I remember, probably, well, I remember that movie very well. I love that movie. But I remember, this is really bizarre what I remember. I remember, um, what was her name? Was What was the popular uh, girl's Cindy, name? The one that he uh, pays, Cindy. Uh, right. Cindy, yes. Do you remember that white leather jacket oh my with God. fringe on it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That is <laughs> the uh, I think Ray the uh, the devastation she feels oh, when the the yes, gets dumped on it totally. But that was the hottest mm -hmm. jacket. I mean, are you kidding me? Nineteen eighty six chic apparel yeah. right there, and then she got the whatever dumped yeah. on it, and the devast yeah her face. Oh, I yeah. remember that whole oh, scene yeah. and just feeling just even though I was like I don't know thirteen at the time, I was like. <gasps> I can't imagine how terrible that would be. And like thinking of how much, oh my gosh. You had so much empathy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's her mother's, it's her stepmother's suede outfit. She borrows without her, oh, yeah. without her permission. Yes. And that's the reason she's yes. willing to accept a thousand dollars from Ronald because she needs to buy a new outfit. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. Ronald, that yeah, was his name. Ronald. Could you find a more geeky name? <laughs> it's funny that Dion's love affair or the love lesson she learned had to do with suede oh and nothing to do what? with 
Patrick Dempsey or Cindy? I just remember how amazing she Mm. looked and thinking, man, a girl that looks like, okay, here's my lesson. I thought a girl that looks like that is obviously going to be loved by everyone. So, but in your opinion, do you think she could have come up with a better way to get that jacket situation taken care of than taking a thousand bucks from Ronald? I don't know. That was pretty easy cash. Somewhat easy. Actually, it wasn't that easy. She had to pretend to like him. I mean, that's that's a moral dilemma right there. So, you know what it is, is it's the start of this, I guess, belief system that we maybe have, or some people have had, that you can monetize your looks, right? Mm -hmm. If you are good looking enough, Mm -hmm. you can cash in on that. Mm -hmm. And and yes. people will will pay for that just to be associated with it. So when you talk right. about life lessons no. from a rom com right. like that, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's that's a true story, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Like she looked a certain mm-hmm. way, and so she got favors from wow. people mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that. So I know this is no, really this deep. Is right. I, I, <laughs> the thousand dollars he paid though right. in eighties money—that's got to be—I don't know—it's got to be a few more grand in, in, by today's currency. So. Like at least, at least five. <laughs> okay, back in the eighties, how much money do you get for mowing a lawn? So, how oh, many yeah. lawns was he lawns. mowing? And oh yeah, a lot of lawns. Just to pay a pretty girl to pretend to like him. I, I think look, I think you're. I think that's great. I mean, that observation, and unfortunately, you probably still holds true, true today for many people, certainly younger folks. And mm-hmm. it's a lesson that's to be unlearned, as far as this idea that, especially with social media, right? That the fact that. How you look can just, right. uh, you know, I don't know, determine your level of popularity. That's enough. I definitely received that message mm-hmm. in the 80s that I needed to have a certain look, Sweet. certain style of clothing, For sure. brand to, yep. to fit in, which I never did anyway. But <laughs> Fitting in is part of it. But when you look at, at oh God, this is going to sound awful. But when you look at who the rich guys date, it's never the gal with a great personality. Or the smart girl. Mm-hmm. Right. The rich guys, the guys with lots of money know that they can find a girl who is smart, who has a good personality, but they're damn sure going to get a pretty girl yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's mm-hmm. something that, that as females, we would have learned watching these eighties movies more than the guys would have learned? Like, right. Like, what do you think? I think, I feel like, it, like did you get I that think message? it goes both ways. I think it absolutely says, okay. um, if you're, a guy who's good looking, you're getting a good looking girl. Or if you're a pretty girl, yeah. you get the, the football player. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think that message was pretty strong in the 80s that uh, it goes mm-hmm. both ways. And, okay. You know, I, I think this leads us to a, another interesting movie to talk about on that topic is the 1987 film Roxanne. <gasps> oh, um, oh dir- classic. Directed by Fred Shapizzi yes. and written by Steve Martin. Of course, he's, he's adapting uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. So, mm-hmm. Cyrano de Bergerac, right. Mm-hmm. That is one of my favorite plays, oh. is Cyrano de Bergerac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, the Gerard, Gerard de oh, Bergerac yeah. version. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to say that's, his name. That's the only way you <laughs> can say it. That's, you did it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You have to kind of like hawk it up. <laughs> She's making it Yiddish now. Um, <laughs> of course, it starts Steve Martin, Daryl Hannah, Shirley Duvall, Rick yeah. Rosovich, mm-hmm. a number of other folks. In short, Steve Martin plays a, a gentleman, CD, with a large nose, uh, who mm-hmm. winds up mm-hmm. um, helping the attractive, hunky fireman Chris uh, woo Roxanne. Because even though he's good looking, uh, he's dim-witted. Uh, whereas uh, Steve Martin's <laughs> character is 
you know, <laughs> is brilliant, but has this, what folks, you know, can't help but focus on is his large proboscis. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your point about, mm. it goes both ways. Yeah. Roxanne is attracted to Chris. It's totally on looks initially. And then of right. course there's this mm-hmm. substance of these poems that she thinks he's writing in these letters, which turns out not mm-hmm. to be him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end, she learns he's a fraud. And then mm-hmm. she procla- you know, declares her love for Steve Martin's character saying she fell in love with his personality based on these letters, essentially, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know. But to your point, I don't know. Maybe that's not realistic either. You know, this idea that... I think in both those, both these two films, you can say being yourself is essential. Eventually mm-hmm. you got to be yourself. But yes, uh, did yes. that really happen? And did we learn mm. that deception is not a great yeah. idea from the, the from those movies? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great no. plot device. <laughs> it's, you know. I think we learned not getting caught <laughs> is a great idea. <laughs> yes. yes, there you go. I think about that a lot because, you know, I'm yeah. a mom. And so I catch myself saying, don't let me catch oh. you. And then I go back that up. Wait, 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 oh. wait. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. It, it occurs mm-hmm. to me that this movie is kind of like the uh, contemporary version of uh, catfishing or, or, you know, or these filters that help you catfish, oh, you know, where you're able right. to oh. look a different way than you are. That's such a better. good point. <laughs> so damn it. I don't know if these kid, yeah. kids today are learning from well, these films, but we, so these, these bad lessons are still, you know, persisting. Right. Okay. So I have a slightly different viewpoint on that movie because maybe it's a a weird quirk of mine, but I happen to adore large Mm -hmm. noses on men. So I would have been all over that guy. (laughs) If I just seen it. Wait, wait, wait. I am. Hang on. Stop me when it's too big. Okay, that, oh, okay. Right about he there. Fit, okay, he, that's, fit. That's, he was smaller than that. Yeah, okay. wow. I just think, I like, say. I don't know. I've got some for big noses, so. I feel the same way. I'm about like, oh, too, he's actually, pretty cute. There's something about, you know. <laughs> with big noses. Yeah, with prominent noses. Like like the Barbara Streisand yeah, phenomenon. Sort of, yeah. mm-hmm. Lady Gaga. I, I like mm-hmm. quirky features on men. Mm-hmm. I don't like the perfect. I mean, my ex-husband was a, a very good looking man, but I always used to think literally when I was married to him, I'm like, He's too perfect. Oh. His teeth were perfect. His nose was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I never found him hot. I'm like, he's handsome. He's boring. He's handsome. <laughs> like like you like, like you wish his I, eyes I were like a little quirky. closer together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I like his nose a little bigger, his teeth a little more crooked. Yeah. Like I like quirky. Oh, no, you, you wanted something yeah. you really? like. And- <laughs> yes. Because yeah. he quirky. but it kind of went along with his personality. He was just boring. So, oh. you know, whatever. I described that Dion as the cookie cutter guy, right? So right. there's the male model cookie cutter guys that were just cut out of a cookie, mm-hmm. and yeah. they, you know, and they all—they're good looking, but they all kind of look the same. I like the little that's, character. That's what I mean. I don't know if it has to be a giant mm-hmm. schnoz, but like, <laughs> yeah. a little character, something unique yeah. is nice. Yeah, you need to yeah. be there. Huh? You guys on your <laughs> show often talk about. Um, I'm trying to remember what, but there's one episode where you kept saying it over and over again. It was like the two things versus the two things. It was like the mind and the something versus the heart and the oh vagina. Boy, the head, the heart, the, the head, the heart, the gut, and the vagina. Yeah, and the vagina. <laughs> That's her theory. That's yeah. Jackie's oh, theory. On okay, yeah. All those parts have to be in alignment. Yes. They don't have to be. If you can get all of them in alignment, that's like the unicorn. <laughs> the unicorn. But for the most part. <laughs> See? Yeah. Yeah. That's a quirky feature right there. <laughs> a horn, you don't get that yeah. very often. Uh, yes. Don't mean. yes. 
So yeah, no, that's my, that's my theory on all the things you have to check in with mm-hmm. yourself about before, you know, I mean, it's just how you gauge what you're, what the, this, the relationship you're in, right? Mm-hmm. What, what parts are, what parts are getting their needs met and what parts maybe mm-hmm. aren't? Mm-hmm. What parts are tingling mm-hmm. well, a little bit? Yeah, and I guess it depends on the goal of the relationship too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, right. yes. Mm-hmm. The, um, what are you looking for? <laughs> I realized I could make a little trilogy here because I feel like the theme that connects those two films, this third one, is this idea of being yourself. The first two films were folks not being themselves. Ultimately, when they resolve to be themselves, love, mm-hmm. you know, is comes to. I them. got the girl. But mm-hmm. yeah, I want to point out uh, or bring up this film as a kind of a film where the character is unabashedly, is that the right word, Kat? Himself yes. Yes. throughout That's the entire film Ooh. and eventually gets the girl as a result of it. And I'm talking about 1989's Say Anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, <gasps> and directed by Cameron Crowe. And it's actually his directorial debut. Set mm-hmm. and set in Seattle. Oh, is that Just right? Just a little shout out okay. to the hometown. Yeah. Yeah, Cameron Crowe is from Seattle. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So he set it in Seattle. It's like Seattle of 1989 is very different from Seattle today, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you and I were yeah. talking, you know, back when we were first talking about this. And I said this, and it's still true. I think, I don't know how it can be love if there isn't someone standing outside your house <laughs> holding a book. <blue box. laughs> that movie sets some expectations in terms of how far is someone willing to go mm. for you? And, and, and if they're not willing to embarrass themselves or, 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 you know, pour their heart out on your lawn with song is, is it real love? And so that's one of those movies where I love that movie and, and I'll mm-hmm. watch it every time. I can. Mm-hmm. But it might have set some unfair expectations. Hmm. About <laughs> that's a high bar. So no one's been outside your bedroom window with a boom box. I mean, not lately. Not recently. No. 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 What I loved, the, the two things that stand out about that movie for yeah. me is A, how two people who are so incredibly different. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, um, he was unabashedly, I love that word, by the way. Yeah. He was yeah. unabashedly himself. He did not try to put on airs. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did, what was that martial arts that he did? Like, he was uh, so geeky about kickboxing. that. Kickboxing. <laughs> oh, it's <was> a kickboxer. <laughs> Such a late 80s, and by the way, thing. Yep. I have a fun, I have a little anecdote about that. The junk you said so kick Cameron, you. <laughs> Oh gosh, I wish. When Cameron Crowe was, was, was writing that movie, he had a neighbor mm-hmm. who used to come to his house and like knock on his door and he was a brand new guy in the neighborhood and he would come and knock on his door and say, Hey, I'm teaching kickboxing classes. Do you want to come? And he, like with no irony. And he would go around to all the neighbors introducing himself and saying he taught kickboxing classes. And that's who, that's where he got that little piece. Because he he loved the fact that this guy was unabashedly himself. Mm -hmm. That was what drew him. He thought, here's this guy who doesn't know anyone in the neighborhood. And Seattle is, um, Seattle's a pretty... I don't know how, you you know, you talk about the Seattle freeze. Well, I don't know if that's a real thing, but it's hard to get to know people in Seattle. Mm. So this guy, that, that was his, his entry. He would go around knocking on people's doors saying he taught kickboxing classes and would they like to take them? (laughs) And Cameron Crowe was like, yeah, no, but thanks for the offer. Mm -hmm. And also that's awesome that you're doing this. And he just loved the guy's spirit. So he put that into the movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. So so I love the fact that, You've got this guy who's just kind of a geeky dude and this 
girl who is super smart and going places and just has like all her shit together, at least from the outward appearances. Right, yeah. right. And he's not intimidated by that. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's like, really? Diane Court, really? And he's like, heck yeah, I'm going for it. Like, I freaking love that. They're so different and he's just not intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I loved, and this is maybe something I've loved as an adult more than when I was younger, is the fact that he gave up anything that he might have going on for her dreams right. at the end. Yeah. And that's not something that you often see. It's usually, I feel like it's usually the woman who's like, okay, I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah. I, but he's like, oh, heck yeah, I, I'll go with you. I came across <laughs> this list of uh, rom-com tropes. And uh, mm. one of them was someone, usually the man, going to a mode of transportation and stopping the woman from going somewhere. So, and they pointed out a bunch of movies, like on a plane, or, you know, train, whatever. <laughs> And right. you're right. Usually the, what it is, is the woman's like, all right, I won't leave. I'll come with you wherever. Right. But this one, he's like, I'll help. Right. And she was scared of flying. He's like, I'll, I'll fly with you. We'll go together. Oh, I, yes. do you know that every, and I fly a fair amount for my yeah. day job. Every time I hear the little ding, yeah. I think that's anything. Uh-huh. And I fly a lot. Yeah. So. That's so cool. I guess you can do kickboxing anywhere, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The fact that he had no plans was like really, really big benefit for them. And wasn't it John Mahoney that played her dad? Yes. John John Mahoney. Okay. Oh, I just love love him. He was kind of a a bad Mm -hmm. guy in Mm -hmm. that movie. Well, he was a, he was a bad guy, but with great intention. Right. It was. No, stealing from people's No, but he loved his daughter so much that he would have done anything for her future. At their expense. He, yes. was, he was a little too controlling and micromanaging. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> and I, want, I want to point out because this is going to be a, it'll be a theme that comes up again a couple of times. There's two things in this. One, dating someone out of your class, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. a common thing. And Ooh. the other thing is the impact of a parent on, uh, a parent's disapproval on your dating. Because in this movie, mm. Jim, John Mahoney's character, tells Diane, I don't want you to date him. He's got no future. You have a future. You right. know, you're going to go to Britain and do this work, et cetera, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she listens. She listens to him. She breaks up yeah. with Lloyd, you know, and ultimately mm-hmm. uh, he wants Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd Dobler. I love how their last names are important. Diane Court and Lloyd Dobler. Like you can't mm. say it without <laughs> the last name. Sure. Yeah. I didn't even realize I knew Diane Court's name. Uh, but like I said, the, the, this, I think the good lesson in that one overwhelmingly is to be yourself from the beginning and hang yeah. on. And you're, either someone's going to love yeah. you or like you, you're going to hit it off or you're not. I mean, that's just the bottom line, right? And if they don't love you for who you are, why would you want to be with them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So speaking about dating out of class, but both of these films are an example of that. And also about approval, although it's not parental, it's more like you were talking about maybe friends' approval, is two John Hughes films. And starting with uh, 1986's Pretty in Pink. I don't know if you guys oh. ever heard of this movie. But you have. <laughs> okay. It's my fave. This was written by John Hughes and directed by Howard, I'm going to say Dutch. It's either Dutch or Deutsch. Deutsch. It is Deutsch. Deutsch. Uh, Deutsch. I think so. It's Like the yeah. bank? Okay. You yes. say that like you know. So <laughs> it's Deutsch. You mean it how- has an E in Are it? You talking about Howie? It's an Howie. It's <laughs> Deutsch. Oh, how- yeah. my good buddy Howard. Of course, uh, uh, John Hughes's muse is in this Molly Ringwald, but we've also got John Cryer mm-hmm. and Andrew McCarthy in there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the short story. I, all the 80s essentials. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the short, 80s essentials starter pack. Real simple plot. <laughs> you guys can keep me honest because you know this film better than I do. Is that uh, mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald's character, Andy, uh, is essentially, mm-hmm. oh, she has a best friend, Ducky, who's madly in love with her. Very quirky mm-hmm. guy. And mm-hmm. He is himself. He, you can't stop him from being himself. Unabashedly. That's why yeah. I love Ducky. Unabashedly. But she doesn't. She has no interest in him. He's been put in the friend zone. Instead, she longs for this character, this other side of the railroad tracks, Blaine, who's sort of this, you know, uh, Blaine. He's a guy that would, you know, challenge somebody to a boat race in a regatta, put his uh, wear a sweater on his back, kind of thing. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the film, she gets Blaine, even though she should wind up with Ducky. And it turns out, in fact, the original ending of the film was she did wind mm-hmm. up with Ducky. It didn't do well with audiences. Audiences yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. They showed it in front of audiences and they're like, oh, hells no. She should not end up with that guy. <laughs> so, they so, they, so they had to reshoot the ending. I can't believe that. I mean, when you when I see that film, I'm like, <laughs> Ducky is right there. Ducky is awesome. Belina is that ass, every ass in a 1980s film. No, isn't he? That's going to be sniffing cocaine not. in some other film or something. Uh, <laughs> he's not, he's not like his friend. No, Steph is the ass. Right, oh, no. Okay. Blaine is a oh, good dude yeah. who happened to be in the wrong crowd. Like he yes, just happens I to agree. have money, but he's a good dude. And that's the yes. lesson I got from it, that even if you yeah. have money, you can still be a good dude. Yeah. And he was, he was well, a good dude with you know what weird it is, hair, though, but Dion, what he is, is he's like your ex-husband though, right? He's a good looking guy. He's just vanilla. Yeah. There's nothing interesting. About oh, him. okay. Okay. Maybe. Now you're talking my language. I he is it. a cookie cutter guy. Good he point. is. Good point. But I he been has the cutest little with, smile. Yeah. 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 I would have been yeah. fine with, with her being with Ducky, but I would have been wondering, well, what happened to Blaine out in the parking lot? Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I don't know. Ducky was, he was sweet, but he, he was just friend material. He was just, uh, I don't know. I, I could never, I, I, you've, okay. Will, are you telling me you've never had uh-huh. the girl that's yeah. just a friend uh-huh. that you couldn't imagine being with in any other way or, or, mm-hmm. and maybe this brings up a different movie. <laughs> do you think that men and women can't be friends? Oh, oh that's a good question. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. There we yeah. go. That is the question. It is the question. And I feel like I've had lots of guys that I adored, but I could never see them as anything beyond friends. I've but definitely I had wanted them in my life. Like that, yeah. I've had mm-hmm. female friends like that, that, yes, we were just mm-hmm. friends. Absolutely. I still do to this day. So you've had yeah. your duckies. You've had your duckies. Yes, but <laughs> that's true. You're right. We can't decide for Andy what, uh, you know, who she should be with. <laughs> And, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like when you have a person in your life that's a friend like that, and even if you know that that friend has feelings for you, mm-hmm. right, they, you shouldn't feel obligated to date them just because they're your friend and they have feelings for you. Like, if you don't yeah. feel the same thing. Right. I actually appreciate that they didn't they didn't go mm-hmm. that route with the movie because I, I just I just don't think that's real. That wouldn't have felt okay. realistic. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is why I mean, audiences didn't like it. Him for years and has never been attracted to yes. him. It's not any change. Mm-hmm. He so was in the friend zone. Is, is that Good true? Point. Is that a true thing that when someone's in the friend zone, they stay in the friend zone? If they're that yeah. deep in the friend zone, yes. There's you a window. Have, see, yeah, see, the, if you're interested in a girl, you should never, ever, ever let yourself get into the friend zone if you're interested in her. Yeah. The trick is, is make your move early so you can just go... <laughs> All right, fine. We're just friends then. Because if you wait too long, then yeah. your friendship gets ruined. So you, you really mm-hmm. got to make that move early 
or feel it out. And if you if you mess up, then you really messed up. So unless you wanted to go there in the first place. So <laughs> unless you just want to be friends, right? unless you just want to be friends. But if you're only being friends because you're trying to get with a girl, uh-huh. then you better make your move quick. Uh, I this, see what you're saying. This has okay. been love advice from Ray. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> if, if you think, if you think becoming someone's friend is going to get you anywhere oh, okay. romantically, then right. you okay. fucked up. I see the angle. Ray, well, I have a question yeah. for you on this though, yeah. because I think, you know, you talk about as a guy and you want to be, if you're, if you're a guy and you're romantically interested in someone, never go in the friend zone. Mm-hmm. Do you think the same is true? Mm-hmm. If it's the woman mm-hmm. that's romantically interested is it different um, if the roles are reversed? You know what? Yes, I absolutely think it's different because um, guys are dumb, and sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Oh. I want to contrast this though with another John Hughes movie, which is the opposite message. So supposedly mm. the story goes that uh, after a Pretty in Pink came out, John Hughes was mm-hmm. frustrated at the fact that he didn't get to do his original ending because he really did want her to wind up with Ducky. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he writes some kind of wonderful. Now this is maybe urban, the stuff of urban legend. Um, but again, Howard Deutsch directs it. Nicely done. This time it stars Eric Stoltz, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Leah Thompson. In this, in this story, again, now we've got another working class type guy, it's played by mm-hmm. Eric Stoltz, who pines after this woman who's out of his class, played by Leah Thompson, mm-hmm. while his best friend, Mary Stuart Masterson's character, Watts, is right there. You know, she's mm-hmm. being supportive, etc., but she's, you know, longs to be with him. Mm-hmm. This time at the end, you know, he, he recognizes what he has before him. And um, I think maybe Amanda helps him though. Actually, now I think about it, maybe maybe Leah Thompson helps him by being like, because she he he buys her these really expensive earrings, right? You guys familiar mm-hmm. with this movie? Yes, oh for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I think she realizes what is this? This dude nuts. He just bought these earrings for me. It's just like going too fast. Never mind. Let's take it slow. And he's like, okay. Wait, wait didn't Mary Stewart Masterson's character no. give him the earrings to give her? Mm-mm. I think she helped him pick them out. Yes. Oh, yeah. and she drove them on their date, even though she was madly in love with him. Oh, remember that? Wow. <laughs> you know, it'd be helpful if we actually watched these movies or talked about <laughs> within the last. I mean, I've watched week. them, but it's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, we've all seen the movie, yeah. and this is this Wait. movie's fantastic. But it's been a long time since it's been a while. I'm assuming <laughs> any of us have seen this movie, so, so we're playing oh. off of a long term memory here. Yeah. So, Let's work off of our feelings, right? We don't have to remember those details. I might, have, <laughs> I might have a slight advantage because my boyfriend has three teenagers. And about two years ago, we decided that these kids needed to see some real 80s flicks. So nice. we systematically went through the John Hughes library and we watched mm-hmm. it with them. And it was interesting watching it with teenagers today. Some of the things we no. thought were hilarious. They were like, yeah, no not funny and also <laughs> not at all PC. <laughs> we're like yeah um right they could <laughs> <laughs> but and i think that was one of the movies we watched um but i wanted to point out one thing yep. because you were well you were saying kind of making the parallel um with the whole like he chose his friend this time and that's true and he did and he made the right decision by the way because she was so much hotter than Leah Thompson, just <laughs> in her whole person. Just like that girl knew who she was and she had a sense of stuff like nobody's but business. But that's and Ducky. God You're describing Ducky. Her. You said Ducky shouldn't be. I know, but Ducky Andy. wasn't hot. 
And like, yeah, I was, <laughs> you can't describe Ducky as well. He is adorable. But, okay, he was adorable. Here's my point about, about this. Okay. The one thing that was majorly different is that yeah. unlike Andy and Ducky, um, what was his name? Keith. Keith and Watts had that super intense kissing scene. Do you remember that? Mm. Oh, she was teaching him how to she kiss. She was teaching him how to kiss because she's yes. like, so what are you going to do when she wants to kiss you? And he's like, I don't know. Just kiss her. She goes, you can't just kiss her. She's a girl who's used to being kissed and she knows what's going on. And like, she does whole thing. Right. And you know, like she's just wanting him to kiss her. So yeah. then she basically Smart. like teaches him how to, and oh my gosh, I remember being like 18 years old and sitting with my girlfriends and rewinding that scene like five times yep. because it was so freaking hot. And honestly, and go back and watch that kiss scene. It is amazing. Like it, I mean, still to this day, I'm like, wow. So yeah, he got a little taste of the chemistry, mm-hmm. I see. which and then Watts is like, never got. what are you going to do when she wants to have sex yeah. with you? You can't just have sex with her. Come on, get over so, here. So like, what you're what did you think of that? So what? what you're saying is that's the move. Trick someone into kissing you. Deception. <laughs> Manipulation. But the beautiful ah no, but you see, but but what you can see is that he actually really felt that way for her because yeah. she kind of they kind of start to kiss perfunctorily, but mm. then all of a sudden, and I'm Ooh. I'm always watching nuances. You gotta watch this. Like he yeah. has his hand, his fingers on her hip. And then he like squeezes her hip and you're like, oh my goodness. There's some, there's some chemistry. It was beautiful. Yeah. It, was, it was all right. Cinematic wonder. Gonna <laughs> Seriously, you're going to love it, Kat. You're going to love it. I'm just telling you. So you can see the chemistry. self-refreshed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, it was a hot kiss. I'm just saying. Uh, a couple of things. So, and then like we could move on with some other films, but I wanted to point out as I've been teasing a little bit here that this, in a lot of these films, it's a short, it's definitely a trope in the 1980s and today that you date somebody that's not in your class. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so I, I did some digging into this, to the sense that like, how would this play out in real life? Right. And, and, um, and I came across a few different things that seem to apply. One is the, what's actually called the Romeo and Juliet effect in psychology. Okay, and it, and it turns out since the 1970s, uh, psychologists have been studying this effect, which is, and the concept is that the more parents try to interfere, so so we have folks mm. trying to date someone out of class, and then we have parents interfering. Is the I guess the two sort of two parts of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or for whatever reason, it doesn't have to be out of class. Your parent could just not like the you know right. your significant other. But right. the, the idea is that the more parents try to interfere with the relationship, the stronger the relationship will become, like Romeo and Juliet. So. Mm-hmm. In certain tests, it does turn out that the more a parent says to you, don't do that, or you're not allowed to do that, the more <laughs> a child will be interested in doing that certain right. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they found that um, it's not, the Romeo and Juliet thing is is not real. So the love that the Romeo and Juliet had, the fact that they were dr- being driven more together by the fact that their parents didn't want them to be together, mm. it would be short-lived. Look, they only lived for like 48 sure. hours before they died. Wow. So <laughs> we don't know what would have happened. But psychologists are I saying really it had gone on longer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would have eventually <laughs> split up because that's not enough to sustain a relationship. But yeah. it actually turns out the opposite is true, that the more supportive your family is of your relationship, the happier you feel in that relationship. Whereas mm-hmm. if they're not supportive of it, you'll start actually feeling you know negative towards your significant other as a result. Well, because who wants, to, who wants to date someone? Yeah. And I mean, dating someone, especially like in a new relationship, there's already enough stress and anxiety and, mm-hmm. and like angst about mm-hmm. that. And so you mm-hmm. add 
this layer of the most important people in my life don't approve. Mm-hmm. I, that's, mm-hmm. is it yeah. worth pursuing a relationship where you have to deal with all that? I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Uh, speaking about dating out of class or cross class, as this article points out, and this is from uh, Mike.com, a 2015 article written by Kate Hakala. Hakala, something like that. Um, but ultimately Sounds talking good. about that there's that in, in reality, unlike these films, how they portray it, ultimately, if you're dating in a different class, so we're talking about social classes, it's difficult. And some folks can make it work, but oftentimes uh, some of the different ways that you were brought up ultimately become stressors. And many of them are related to your perception of job or, you know, right. work or ambition towards work or, or money how you spend money, how much money you have, whether mm-hmm. you stress about money. Mm-hmm. And ultimately those ways that you were raised differently because of your socioeconomic standing could create a conflict that, you know, divides you in a relationship. So unlike mm-hmm. this, you know, idea in these two John Hughes films where someone's dating someone across the tracks successfully, again, there's definitely obstacles to be navigated if that's going to work out. And it mm-hmm. seems like it's more rare to be able to do that successfully than it than these films would have you believe. You know what another mm-hmm. 80s movie is that that covered that? And I had to double check myself just a second ago to make yeah. sure it was 80s. But Mystic Pizza, where Julia Roberts mm-hmm. is dating, again, Andrew McCarthy. And oh, he's, I forgot. I love him. showing up. Oh, essential. You have to have Andrew McCarthy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he's the rich guy that's mm-hmm. that shows up. And there's a lot of misunderstanding between the two of them, just based on that fact that they're from completely different stratospheres mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of money and finance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the truth is like, <clears throat> and yeah. all this makes so much sense what you're saying. Well, because yes, there's this romance in the, Oh, I'm dating someone who's totally different from me. Right. And like all the differences mm-hmm. seem so mm-hmm. exciting at first, but then yeah. mm-hmm. as we all know, relationships are hard enough without throwing in these massive societal and socioeconomical differences. And so the romance right. mm-hmm. probably like if Romeo and Juliet had lived long enough, um, that romance would have died really quickly. It's probably a good thing they mm-hmm. died before the romance did. That's all I'm saying about that. Yes. But, right. <laughs> but I mean, for the honeymoon period was over. <laughs> all right. I mean, yeah. And it's a, it is a bummer, you know, because I'll say this in the 1990s, <laughs> I, I dated someone who was out of my social class. Now I didn't know it at the time when I met her, I thought she was just like me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had this very sort of passionate relationship until it started getting more serious. And I learned who, who she was. Um, and her family said, you can't date that person. He has no pedigree, so to speak. Oh, oh no. suddenly. So, yeah. so you were suddenly, the boy from the other side of the tracks. I was. Yeah. And suddenly, uh, you know, she took it. I mean, she took what they said to heart and whatever we had, you know, she started looking at me differently and, you know, it wasn't long before the relationship faded after that. And it was a self-esteem crusher. Yeah. No kidding. What's that? She told you that they told her that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. And also, well, and also though, oh, I would be at, her. I remember being at a family dinner. And again, if I told you who these, this family was, you'd know who they are. Oh, I would be at a family dinner <laughs> where the uh, patriarch said, if anyone wants to date or marry my daughter, you're going to need a prenup because okay. if you don't have, you know, X, Y, and Z, you're not getting anything from us while I'm there oh, eating dinner. Speaking I'm the only one who, does, who oh. has zero. Oh, 
No, he was speaking to someone else. I just happened to be there. Okay. But everyone else at the table, you know, had a relatively same bank account. I was the only one who, you know, drove his used car to their home, oh. you know, and at some point. So you were the only one that statement applied to. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. so you asked if I was told this directly. I, I was told it in various ways. So essentially, her family, the message you know. that you were receiving was you're not enough. Like the person that you are is not yes. enough. And she corroborated I that. To, <laughs> I tried to Lloyd Dobler my way in there. <laughs> And Did you do boom bombs? No, he got ducky. Yeah, I got ducky. Oh, you got ducky. Man. Sometimes yeah. being yourself isn't enough. You tried to dobbler, nope. but you got ducky. <laughs> I tried. Yep. That's the title of my autobiography, by the way. Let's you guys nailed it. You guys, let's create new verbs. Dobblered and ducking. I love that. I love I'm going to start that. using that from here. <laughs> you know, don't dobbler that shows- girl. Just stop dobbling. <laughs> you got no chance. This is. Wait, that sounds like something else, though. Did you dobble her? <laughs> oh my God, I so dobbled that girl. No, not dobbled. 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 That's what I said. <laughs> I dobbled her. I dobbled her so hard. <laughs> I'm going to bleep out I every time we say dobbled. <laughs> uh, right, hey, can we, can we talk about the. Uh, Cat, your uh, mm-hmm. one and your quirky mm-hmm. one, and Ray, your quirky one. I want to hear. My, my, yeah, yeah. What's, What's quirky? Quirky one. <laughs> oh wow! Only one oh, is coming. a cross-species relationship. Cat. Oh, oh, that could be talking out loud. Ray knew what I was talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, I'll talk about this quirky one from 1984. Splash. Oh, written, <laughs> written by. Lowell Gans and Babalu yeah. Mandel. I love that. Oh, yes. He was a big 80s writer, wasn't he? I remember that name. The two of them co- yeah, co-wrote a lot of stuff together. So anyway, this was directed by Ron Howard. Oh. And it stars, of course, Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks, as well as John Candy is in here yeah. and Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy was in that? And, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, Early yes. Eugene Levy. Wow. Yep. Yes. 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 Yeah. He was the scientist who's trying to, uh, well, not unmask, but yeah. retail. Yes. He's trying to splash yes. water on her everywhere she goes. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I literally yeah. have not seen this movie probably since 1984. <gasps> no, I've seen it, but like oh, okay. literally, I, I think I saw it right. like when I was mm-hmm. 10 years old. So you'll have to refresh my memory. I, I remember mm-hmm. she fell in love with Tom Hanks. That's yep. literally what I remember. So the basic plot is okay. Yay. <laughs> Tom Hanks uh, character, Alan falls in love with a mysterious and young naked woman (laughs) who, as it turns out, don't they all? Yes. (laughs) She's a mermaid. And, um, she is already in love with him, uh, due to two, two underwater encounters. One, when they were very young, they, Mm-hmm. They met and right. she remembered <laughs> <They met>. him. <laughs> well, he, he she don't, saves he him from drowning. Her. Well, yes. but that one, didn't he, he jumped in because he was like, Hey, there's yeah. something cool down there. Right. And he got pulled out of the water. He could breathe. Yeah. Under oh, the you're water right. Because you're right. He, he was gets with pulled her. out. Right. That's true. Okay. So you're she right. didn't quite save him, That's but true. They, they met under the water. She saves him at the end. Right. Yeah. And she shared air with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Why are you saying it they like that? They started young. <laughs> I don't know because I can't. <laughs> with a little shoulder wiggle. Yeah. Shared eyes. Air with yeah. him. They share. Is that in quotes? Yeah. Air with him. We've talked about sharing air on this show before. That's not the first time. 
<laughs> so, um, mm. but then the next encounter, she does save him. He falls in the water when he's a young adult, and so is she. And and then she realizes, hey, this is that same guy. Mm-hmm. So she goes in search of him. Yeah, but do you know what the worst part of this movie is? Uh oh. There's a real life story. Oh. Where this woman <laughs> who is uh You see real life yeah. Dion's like, wait, a man and a mermaid? She works with fish, all right? Nope. And um I don't remember what year this takes place, but this woman fell in love with a dolphin. (laughs) Okay. She eventually has sex with the dolphin. Mm-hmm. And the and we're not talking about the man-made dolphin no, thing that a no, lot of no 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 not the branding dolphin real real dolphin and then the dolphin is so messed up by what happened it commits suicide. <gasps> How does a dolphin commit suicide? What by what means does it kill itself? I think it would drown it. It would drown itself. When I told Will about this, yeah. He said, I absolutely, I have to fact check this immediately because everything I say, he's like, you're full of shit. Well, you heard how he started this, right? I don't know. It was in 2015 or some other year. I think there was a woman, there was fish, but there was a dolphin. But I'm pretty sure this is real. And this is what I get from Splash. My question is, Kat, is this ruining your love for this movie at this point? Because I, I, I just feel bad. Yeah. I'm really good at blocking things out. Really, really okay. good. So I'll, it'll fall out of my head in okay. about 20 okay. minutes. You won't have nightmares about this oh, tonight. No. This film was, I saw good. it when it came out in the theaters. My family sees a lot of movies. So I was around 13 when it came out. And I remember at 13, probably because I was just hitting puberty, feeling that that real sense of romance. Because it starts off when he's a oh. little boy, seeing this beautiful girl under the water, you know, and he's smitten, feeling like, oh, I could see how that would feel, you know? Oh, and just really remembering it sort of Aww. sparking within me that kind of idea of, you know, finding some, even finding some exotic, you know, sea creature <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, or, or the girl next door. And, uh, you know. That's chapter three. Right? Yeah, having those feelings, yeah. <laughs> Only to tell me that I don't have enough money because my family came from nothing. Um, okay, I'm just trying to get the, you know. You're better off. Now, You're better off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. Hey, hey, Kat. <laughs> hey, hey, Frank. Why don't you tell us about your, uh, now we're talking about sort of, you know, some of the more uh, unusual representations of romance in 1980s films. Ray's got one too, right? Mm. Oh, do I? Well, I think, I think. You want me to do it? I don't have any facts. You want me to do overboard? Yeah, do Is that overboard. what you want me to do? Now I got to tell you guys. Well, you, Ray, you bring us overboard, and I got a question. All right. <laughs> I'm on the ending of my seat right now. I know, right? Yeah, no, you go. You go. Do it. Oh, all right. Okay. So set it up at least. So, uh, so yeah. So <laughs> overboard is considered a romantic movie, right? On those lists, yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So yep. basically, this movie is about a dude who abducts a woman mm-hmm. and tricks her into being his wife. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm pretty sure that's Stockholm like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is Stockholm. This is kidnapping. <laughs> the The problem with this movie is, is that you have Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, and they're a couple that's in real problem? life. Well, that's the problem is problem? You, that's the problem. <laughs> the, Wait, hold you on. That's the problem. You just <laughs> mentioned three other problems. <laughs> well, see, the problem. Yeah, no, no, the problem is, here's the problem. That's the problem. The problem is in real life they're a couple. Yeah. So it affects how you view the movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because you view them as a real life couple when you watch this in the eighties. Mm. So you're like, oh, it's funny, and you're like, ha ha ha. He abducts this woman. Hey, you know, it's his wife. But in in the movie, it's not really his wife. So 
fine. So, you, you know, you're like, you know what? Yeah, screw it. It's funny. I like it. Yeah. So, is this really a romantic copy? Yeah. <laughs> No. I mean, there's a lot of unhealthy relationships in the world, and we have to be made for those people, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right? That's, that's an excellent well, but point. But hold on. Hold on. We're talking the 80s when the biggest storyline on the biggest hospital or the biggest soap opera was yep. General Hospital with Luke and Laura. Mm-hmm. Luke raped Laura, oh, yeah. and then they became a couple. Right. Do you yeah, remember that's that? True. So right. I'm yeah. just saying oh, I never that the 80s that. had a. Oh, yeah. Oh. So the 80s had a very skewed so a little, version a of romance. And deception is totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, apparently back in the 80s, kidnapping, rape, that was all good, as long as it led Ooh. to rope. Oh. Lesson learned. So, so basically, you're saying uh, Revenge of the Nerds is oh a, ro- is a rom-com. Uh, I'm trying to remember. remember. Oh, oh because he... When they're- There's a scene in that movie where he pretends to be the boyfriend and has sex with the uh, popular girl. Oh, she thinks it's her yes. boyfriend, and then they and but then she, and she then she yes, so much better. Yes. Yeah, it's only this after is one of the yeah, this is one of the toughest scenes in any movie to justify as <laughs> as like you know what it's a comedy. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with it. Like it's that kind of scene. I mean, but then I mean, sixteen candles. The the nerd took the popular girl home and ended up sleeping with her. And that's another one. Yeah, that's another one that's tough to defend. That movie. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, and another thought that I I had today as I was sort of mentally thinking about this preparing. Yeah, this conversation we would be having. Mm -hmm. I do think that. There's this expectation that that happens when you watch these 80s rom-coms and maybe it's not unique to the 80s, but that's the age I was when I started paying attention to romantic mm-hmm. movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's the idea that the moment you get physical with someone, you're in love. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Like. Like, oh, they're going to go into the bedroom and close the door and then they come out and they're in love. Is that the message and- that you got when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah I did too. I yeah, did. as a kid. I- do you, did as you? A kid, yep. So many of the movies were, oh, I made out with, we made out. Now we're an inseparable, we love each other couple. Mm-hmm. We had sex. Oh my gosh, we're going to be together forever. Right, right yeah. And so, huh. so the um, harsh reality of the IRL yeah. world Mm-hmm. are that that's not the case. And so, I mean, it's sometimes I think those rom-coms, whether they're from the 80s or not, they set some sort of unfair expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I didn't get that from those scenes. <laughs> no? no. No. What did you get? Kidnapping uh, is wrong. Oh. Rape well, is wrong. Let's hope yeah, yeah, is wrong. Yeah, I got all that. Yeah, that's exactly okay, what good. I got. He thought it was a user's guide. Yeah, that was uh, that was something they should have passed out in school. Like, hey, here's everything that you could do that's f-ed up and wrong, and don't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but even to go back to your overboard example, I mean, he essentially kidnaps mm-hmm. her, he enslaves mm-hmm. her. Like, even in that example, you know, she has this sort of you know melt. She starts to enjoy the life that she has with him in her slave and they have sex and then she's in love. Here's what I will say. Here's what I will say about overboard. 
if you take any other dude other than Kurt Russell, let's say we put Paul Rubens in that role. <laughs> oh, really? Is yeah. this now a romantic comedy? Yeah. Or is this I a straight up that. Buffalo Bill situation? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference here that I'm talking about. You, is, it, is there no one in the world? Between, <laughs> there's no happy medium there. There's no in between. Just those two. Or we can take uh, Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> no, no, come on. Oh, come on. You can't say I'd want to be. Don't, don't mess with Blaine. <laughs> Let's say it's oh, James um, Spader. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he went dark go. later. Yeah. Mm. So if James Spader had played. The role that Kurt Russell played, it would be a little darker. Yeah. I'd give you that. It wouldn't be a rom. It would not be a rom com. <laughs> we wouldn't even. It wouldn't even be this conversation. Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about no. it. Yeah. No. I wouldn't go to that mm-hmm. mini golf course either. I'd be scared. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The dark side of the eighties uh, rom com. That's what this should called. That's. It became a downward mm-hmm. spiral. All right, so I guess we learned yeah. some. Yeah. So I, there were some lessons that held up. Some lessons that, as adults, we know we shouldn't. You know, uh, maybe shouldn't be in films and exemplified in uh, in uh, in cinema. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Hey, regardless, it was a joy to talk to you both. We are certainly, uh, going to continue listening to your f- podcast and the beat goes on dating after mm-hmm. divorce. Thank, um, you. And, uh, Thank you. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of you guys too. I listen every time. Oh, um, so I'm just so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Such a pleasure. That was awesome. I didn't, I learned more than I realized I would learn. I think, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah. So look, we'll have to think of another excuse to have them come on again, because I think we could talk to them about a lot of 1980s pop culture and, you know, somehow figure out the, put it in the context of something that overlaps with their show. Absolutely. Um, Hey, so, you know, but speaking of all that, we did reach out to folks because look, there's so many movies we could have brought up and we did reach out on Facebook to ask uh, and and Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, for folks to recommend for us, what films for them, uh, from the 1980s taught them about romance. And we got a lot of responses. I'll start with these, Mm -hmm. uh, some of these from, um, our, uh, network sponsor, the eighties ruled page, their Mm -hmm. eighties ruled group. And these are the ones we got here. Bethany says, romancing the stone. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's a good one. That's interesting because- it's a woman who writes about romance who doesn't has never really had it, and then she finds it. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, Terry mm-hmm. Lean says Animal House. Okay, <laughs> uh, and then Michael writes to Terry Lean. Now that's hilarious. So yeah, I don't know if that's is that a real answer. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely love in romance of some kind. I guess we'll call it in uh, Animal House. I can think of one scene anyway. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jamie says just one of the guys. Oh, it's Tony Hudson's movie that she was in. Now see, Animal House is seventy eight. Oh, that was right. I thought it was 80. Okay, yeah. very good. Well, there you go. You're out, Terry. Mm, sorry. Um, no, still, thank you for that recommendation. Still something influenced an 80s kid. Uh, <laughs> just one of the guys, there's a couple of romances in that. Either you're in love with mm-hmm. the, 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 let's see, but a woman was in love with him, her boy persona. Uh, she had a boyfriend, I think. Uh, I'm talking about Joyce Heiser's character. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of levels there. Uh, <laughs> Craig says, Arthur. Yeah, thought that's one of those uh, yeah. relationships we talked about, like cross-class kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay says fatal attraction. Oh no. I think the only <laughs> lesson in there is how to boil rabbit. Probably a little about love. There, yeah, there might be a couple lessons in there. <laughs> Angela, Angela says pretty in pink. We did talk about that about last night. Yeah. I don't remember that film very well. Mm. I think that's based on a mammoth play. 
Um, oh, here you go. David Halley says Porky's. We did talk about that. <laughs> oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike says any movie starring Kay Parker. And I'll be honest with you guys, I had to look Kay Parker up. And she was the star of Taboo and other adult films. And Taboo actually came out in 1980, according to my research. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And we got a bunch of, uh, let's see. Do you know who that is, Ray? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, Auntie? Aunt? Auntie says? I don't know. Fuck. Ray, is there any um, love? Well, there's love in Friday the 13th, I guess. There's a lot of loving. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of murder right after it, but that's there's why you loving. Get killed. You get killed any for romance? Loving. Romance happening? Hey, there? you can spin anything any way you want. You could yeah. say that um, love kills, mm. Uh, mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. are murder. Mm. Uh, so fr- I think Friday the 13th works. Yeah. I think that's fine. All right. Okay. Uh, Bart says uh, on our over on our Facebook page, 1980s now. Please follow us there. Bart says, "Well, just a gigolo." Bart. <laughs> huh. I guess I did have feelings of some kind of love when I watched that video and most of David Lee Roth's videos. I do mm-hmm. love that video, but uh, love and mm-hmm. romance doesn't seem yeah. to be at the forefront of my. Yeah, you and I probably have different. Loves. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> of course uh, you will. Amy says uh, 16 Candles. Yeah, that's oh, that's one yeah. we didn't talk about, except for the context mm-hmm. of it's a little troubling. Mm-hmm. Maybe. All right. Hey, that's that. Yes. So yeah, our show is brought to you every week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Our show is brought to you every week by a lot of folks, a lot of wonderful supporters, including our very special uh, Secret of My Success level Patreon supporters, John Henderson, Craig Coletta, Bart Arnold, John Kaminsky, and John Reddick. And if you go to patreon.com slash 1980s now, you can look forward possibly to an episode about Scranton Pappy. That's why she was asking. (laughs) (laughs) Or Scritty Politty. I look forward to either of these. (laughs) And just so you're aware, there is a Pappy Mm -hmm. uh, restaurant. Yep. In Scranton. <laughs> I'm going. We I'm get, going. It's only an hour and a half north. Oh. <laughs> we got to get him as a sponsor now. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Scranton Pappy. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. See ya. Later. <laughs>